Hey there, thanks so much for joining me today on The Shalene Show. Well, we're going to talk about what it takes to get unstuck, especially when you feel bogged down by overwhelm, the overwhelm of COVID, the overwhelm of just all the talk in the news and in social media, and maybe even in your household about racial inequality. Maybe you feel bogged down by your relationships and the people that you're basically quarantined with. Maybe you feel overwhelmed by all the uncertainty because there's a lot of it. Well, today I have a special guest and we are going to unpack what it means to get unstuck. My guest today is Meredith Moore Crosby. She's awesome. You guys are going to love her. Meredith is a graduate of Howard University. She has a master's of science in managerial communications. She has an extensive professional career. She is a speaker. She's a global member of the International Coaching Federation. She's a speechwriter. Meredith has an incredible wealth of knowledge, inspiration, and experience around everything that we're going to talk about today. In fact, she is the author of Getting Unstuck. She's a corporate speechwriter for high-achieving C-suite executives. C-suite, if you don't know, is like CEO, CFO, etc. She also has her coaching certification from the Applied Positive Psychology Institute. She's a mom, she's a type A, and she believes wholeheartedly in the power of coffee. Lifers, you're going to love Meredith. Meredith, thank you so much for joining me today. This is a really important time for us to hear from you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I think if anyone can speak to the power of our ability to get unstuck, it would be you. I just, I mean, there are no coincidences, but when I started researching, and I mentioned this to you before we started recording, I started researching, trying to find the right person to talk about getting unstuck in entrepreneurship and business and your career. And the more I kept learning about what it is you do and how it is you help people and how you've done this yourself, and then hearing from my audience, the Shalene Show audience, how so many people feel stuck right now and overwhelmed, I thought they need to hear from you. So it is an honor to have you here today. For those who don't know you, can you just kind of give us a little synopsis of your story? And in particular, I'd love for you to talk about a major... Trump traumatic health scare you had in your life? Sure. So, you know, I am currently a leadership coach and I help high performers overcome imposter syndrome and be able to advance their careers in corporate America. And my practice and my book, Getting Unstuck, A Guide to Moving Your Career Forward, is all based on my personal experience. I was the youngest director at McDonald's Corporation. And during that time of really like overcoming and helping other women overcome. I had this experience of supporting the first African-American CEO of McDonald's Corporation, Mr. Don Thompson, who actually wrote the foreword for my book. But what was my turning point experience was when he was first starting out in his career. And I was so driven, Shalene. Like I was so into my job. And I really, Mm. even though I was a vegan when I started at McDonald's, I like got Mm. so into this mission, right, of like this man has a vision. We were bringing in coffee and all these cool things that I didn't notice when I started waking up and having double vision and then triple vision. And then one day waking up and seeing eight alarm clocks. And I always have to say that when I asked my dad what I should do, he was like, you should be early to work. So (laughs) thanks, dad. (laughs) 
Thanks, Dad. Right. So that's what I did. I I kept working, which is what a lot of do us it. do, right? I'll we work like through the symptoms. Yeah. And you ignore your body, you ignore your health. And so luckily, Don cared enough about me as a person beyond the work I was doing to ask me to go see his doctor. And I found out that I had a condition that mimicked a brain tumor. And in the process of getting unstuck from it, they told me they would need to do a series of spinal taps. And so I lost my vision. They had to drain all of the fluid. And as a part of that, they wrap your eyes and they ask you to keep, you know, can you see today? And after the first day of doing it, I said, I'll tell you when God gives me my sight back. I don't need to keep doing this because I felt like psychologically, right? So often when we're stuck, just knowing every day that I'm still stuck mm -hmm. is depressing yes. and, and takes your faith away. And so I ended up regaining my sight. It was a long journey back. So you com back. completely lost your sight. Like Could not see. Blind. And yeah, could was not there, see. did they give you an idea? Like, did they say this is going to be temporary? Most people don't get their sight back. I mean, I'm an anomaly. It's even hard for me to like acknowledge the miracle in my life. Mm. Most people don't get their sight back for a variety of reasons. A lot of times they're not willing to take that time in darkness. Even when your vision comes back, your nerves are so exposed. You have to put yourself into self-imposed darkness so that your eyes can readjust, your nerves can come back. So I have like the eyes of an 80-year-old. Wow. How Fun long fact. did it take for you to get your vision back? All told, it took me about a month and a half. Wow. And during that time, you don't know if it's going to come back. And you're a young right. woman. Did you have children yet? No, I was about 24, 25. So were you like grieving, like, I'm not going to find a man, I'm not going to be a mother? Like, what was going through your head? Or did you just not allow yourself to go there? Definitely the man thing. I was definitely like, oh, <laughs> this is, this is going to be difficult. <laughs> you start to wonder how that's going to work. Start, yeah. start listening to those orderly voices, like, hey, oh, you could be a looker. <laughs> that's funny. I love it. But it was. It was really like I got more focused on my job because it felt like that was the only thing I could control was my ability to work. How do you work? I mean, not having been blind for very long, could you even work during that period of time? Yeah, I really, that jump started my love of technology because I could record things and I knew, <sighs> luckily I had a great education. I know how to type without looking at the keyboard. And so a lot of my coworkers didn't know. Which our know, kids do not. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, all thumbs. Right. Yeah, a lot of my coworkers still don't know that there was a time when I couldn't see because I was just working from home. When I would go into the office, I'd like have sunglasses and people would guide me and help me. But yeah, I definitely, you don't, like you said, you just push through. So was a lot of that, did it relate to stress? Yes. Well, it was stress and, you know, I loved a Big Mac, I'll be honest. And so I put on a lot of weight very quickly uh, when I started wow. working there. In addition to being on different birth controls and medications that once I finally got to the specialist, it was like the perfect storm of things that I was doing to my body in addition to not sleeping and not paying attention to the signs. So you literally had to get unstuck from the place where you were with your health too. Is that yes, where it started? Because like, I always say that Definitely. for so many people, our health is what I like to call a gateway drug to personal development. Because once we figure out like, hey, if I can transform my body, like I could transform my relationships, I might be able to transform like every inch of my life. So where did you start? My first unstuck experience was that I started my career in finance 
and realized I was in this professional development program. It was very much like competitive, but if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I was very good at it, but I hated it. It was so crushing when people say like, my job is killing me. It was killing me. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Right. Yes. And I quit without any idea of what to do. I did that twice. And my dad was like, you've lost your mind. And that was when I got to McDonald's and found, okay, well now I love my job. But then I realized I was sacrificing my health for my job. And so I had to then figure out how do you not only get unstuck, but I started to realize you get stuck over and over again in life. It's not a one day decision. It really is a lifestyle. That's so true. I'm so glad you said that. You're always going to get stuck, but the people who are the most resilient, they have a methodology of something I've heard you refer to, like just being very self-aware. But Mm -hmm. why is it so hard for us to be self-aware? Like we suck at it. I don't know if you saw this. I did a poll on my Instagram. This is hysterical. This is hysterical. (laughs) I asked, would your friends consider you a giver or a taker? And and do you know that 97% of my audience said, oh, my friends would all say that I'm a giver. I'm like, so 97% (laughs) of us are givers? I don't think so. Like, And that just means that we're blissfully unaware. We are ignorant to ourselves. So how do you even know if you are being self-aware? You know, for me, so much of it was being a young executive in these corporations. You go through so much psychological testing. You go through so much feedback and really having people tell you everything they could ever tell you about yourself. Like people really <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. And so you learn how to not only see the positives, but also how to account for your blind spots. Mm. And for me, particularly working in diversity, you know, just being an American and working across 119 countries. I had blind spots that I wasn't even aware of, but it was shutting other people down. And so for me, that awareness, building those friendships and relationships helped me to be able to hear when people would say, you know, I know that you didn't intend for that to be that way, but that was terrible for me. And I had to acknowledge that. I'm so glad you brought this up because that's one of the reasons why people are feeling stuck right now. Like we're stuck because we're not sure what to do with COVID. Like what's the right thing to do? What's really going on? We're stuck because we don't know how to respond, what to learn, what to unlearn. And if I do unlearn those things, like there's so much fear then around what does that say about me? Like we're so afraid, I think, to get feedback Mm -hmm. because we think it's going to say something about our morality or who we are. Mm -hmm. But I too have learned that feedback, even though it can be scary to receive it, it's so freeing. Mm-hmm. And if you're not aware of it, you'll continue. I call them invisible injuries. You know, you're out here hurting people and you don't know that you did it, but they still feel it. And so then you see the repercussions of that, right? You stop talking to them. You know, when we talk about race, then they go off and have a perception of, well, you can't say that to black people because black people do this. You can't say this to white right. people. But unless you can talk about, hey, this is what I heard you say. I want to give you an opportunity to address that. Yeah. We're not going to grow as individuals or as a community. Absolutely. For so many people, though, people listening right now, they don't have a diverse group of friends or family members, the type of deep relationships where they can ask those kinds, have a dialogue as opposed to a monologue. Mm-hmm have a dialogue where you can ask the question that you're like, I'm afraid to ask this, but you don't feel that way if it's someone you really love and know and have a deep relationship with. How do we help someone to learn more? 
when they don't have those relationships. So they're trying to take all their cues from social media, which isn't the best place. Yeah, I don't know. That's such a tough one. You know, I think that is what has always been sad for me. Whenever I feel like I'm the only in the room, I always try to be very understanding. I always try to start from a place of, of being open. And I think it really does come down to, I hope, I hope that we also have common enough things, you know, like you can connect with somebody over your health. You can start to seek out places where you see diversity that you might not have gone before. And every conversation doesn't have to be about race. It can be about parenting or hair or, you know, whatever it is. I think it's just having the courage, honestly, to acknowledge the fact that we're all in pain. You know, I think one of the things when we talk about race is as an African-American, I went on this journey as a part of getting unstuck, of taking this African ancestry test to really find out where my ancestors are from. My dad always says we're from Georgia. I'm like, before Georgia, dad, what, what happened before <laughs> Georgia, right? Right, that's so funny. Oh, as a part of that, I found out not only did our family come from Nigeria, but from England and Portuguese. And, you know, that is a lot of our painful history that that was not likely by choice. But that's still in our DNA, that pain of what's happened. And so I think just starting a conversation honestly rooted in love and in understanding and even just using the words of, I really want to understand your experience and letting the other person talk first and not pushing all of the questions right away, but allowing that to build a relationship of, I'd like to continue this conversation. I think so many of our major corporations are doing such a good job. Like I look at Netflix right now and I don't know if my Netflix algorithm is populated by what we're watching, but like there's just so many great documentaries about the black experience and black history. And just by watching so many of those documentaries and and I just think there's such a great unlearning of things that I didn't learn in high school. I didn't learn. Listen, I'm not great about history anyways, even the stuff that was spoon fed to us but it's really (laughs) shocking to learn some of these things and then of course reading you know like just me reading so many books like i've said this on a previous podcast i feel like i'm trying to win the olympics in the hundred yard dash (laughs) in the woke olympics but you know right but i'm like this isn't something to win it's something to like understand and so For me, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of information I desire to consume. I'm kind of surprised when I hear someone say that they don't really want to hear anything more about that. And I'm like, that's so weird because there are not enough hours in the day for me and I need to chill out because I'm overwhelming myself with the amount that I feel like I'm behind. Like I have to keep reminding myself, it's okay, you're not behind, you're just on a journey. And I think that's a really important thing for all of us to learn because like you mentioned that so many in the black community feel pain and I don't mean Mm -hmm. to speak for everybody, for people who are not of color, but I don't know the word I would use right now is pain. Uh, The word I would use right now is fear. And if I'm being really honest, it's fear that there will be some type of moral identification with something that I morally oppose, right? Like when I first started having these conversations with friends and family members, and I've had a few of them say, like, you sound really defensive. I'm like, well, that's like, if you told me that I'm not a Christian, I would defend myself and say, well, yes, I am. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that defensiveness came from, as I'm able to look at it now, 
with some, you know, just stepping back from it is realizing so much of that was just a fear that I would be lumped into a category of people who are racist or mm -hmm. as opposed to now understanding like this is part of a system mm -hmm. and less about like someone using a word that's very offensive or doing something intentionally bad or mean, right? It's not about being like a mean person or a bad person. Like I have to look at it beyond that. And that's helped me to understand, like, I don't have to defend myself. I have to understand the system that we live in. Yeah. You know, I think it's self-compassion, right? Because we're all at our own stage in the journey. I went to Howard University, a historically black university, because I grew up in Minnesota, which Minneapolis is the whitest city in America, you know? Yeah. So I knew for myself, I needed to go. And I remember going to history pre-1867. I knew nothing. I was like, every day I was mind blown. But like you, it sparked in me a curiosity of like, well, what else didn't they tell me in school? What else do I need to learn? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's an excitement in that and an understanding the fact that we don't know it all. And just this journey to learn is a commitment to humanity. I mean, this is just U.S. history. When you start to look at other countries, it's the same thing. So I think that self-compassion and love on both sides of the aisle is what allows us to build those relationships without expecting that anybody would know everything about somebody else's life and journey. Yeah. And that compounded with this same overwhelming feeling that we want to know everything there is to know about this disease. Like, am I at risk? Should I be going back to work? Should I be wearing a mask? Should I not be wearing a mask? What do I need to know? And it feels like every day, well, it doesn't feel like it. It is every day we're learning more about this virus and the way that it's morphing and mutating. So there is so much more to learn. And all of this is happening at once, which can make us all feel yeah. overwhelmed. What recommendations do you have when we start to feel that that sense of overwhelm? Because I think we all can identify with headaches and the stomach ache and feeling unmotivated, not productive, unable to be creative, that feeling of stuck, right? Yeah, but, stuck. And it, there's a lot of things that are making us feel stuck right now. So what is one of the first things we should do every day? Because we're not going to have answers to a lot of these things. We're just not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, I always recommend for myself and for my clients, because I believe I never ask somebody to do something I don't do myself. I get up every morning. I have a really awesome morning routine. So I hope everybody has a morning routine. But starting with nature, whether that's just mm -hmm. looking at the sunrise, but research tells us that looking at the sky, or if you're lucky enough to have an ocean near you, fosters that sense of abundance. Yeah. So you get out of this feeling of, of scarcity and anxiety and pressure and you can really realize the world is so much bigger than this virus. And for those of us that are faith-filled, you know, that God really still is in control. Just the fact that the sun rose. None of us did anything to contribute to that. In fact, we probably did things to keep it from going. And mm. it still happens. Yeah. So I think having that time to connect with yourself and in silence and connect with nature is the first step. And to just give yourself self-compassion again, that we all get stuck at different points in our lives, right? But it's a journey. And just acknowledging that I'm stuck gives you the ability to get unstuck, mm -hmm. right? That's the number one reason of why people stay stuck is because you just want to be in denial that I'm not where I want to be right now. Mm. Glad you said that because it's a reminder to myself. I have the habit of waking up every morning instead of going to social media on my phone, I go to a couple different apps where I do a devotional. But mm -hmm. since George Floyd's death every morning, 
I wake up and I turn on the news in my bed. And I mm. never have done that. Like in the last 15 years, I've never, ever done that. And I just realized that I've interrupted my own morning routine. Everything else is pretty much the same, but it doesn't matter because that's literally, I just realized what I've been starting with for the last four weeks. And it hijacks my whole day. It hijacks my thinking. I need to return to that. So thank you for the reminder. You know, I'm glad it helped. You know, when I look at nature, whether it's laying on the grass, looking up at a tree, or we're fortunate enough to live on the Pacific Ocean, when I look at the ocean, I just go, everything shifts. Like you just go, how yeah. could anyone question whether or not there is a God and he's great? Right. And right. it just puts everything in perspective. So I think that morning routine shouldn't be taken lightly. I ask everyone who's listening to take a hard deep look at what it is you're doing first thing in the morning. And if it's not setting you up to feel amazing and hopeful, then we've got to make some changes. Once we recognize, all right, I'm setting my course for the day. I've got this like morning routine. What are some other things that are actionable, right? Because I know we talk a lot about mindset on the show, but so much of mindset is like, you don't know how to like really measure it. And it's hard for people to say or to know, is this helping? Is there any practice, like a daily practice that you would suggest people to partake in that actually helps them shift their mindset from feeling stuck? Yeah. So I have two things that I always recommend. One is that you limit your to-do list to three things. You just pick three things that you're going to do today. And in fact, you know, as a former 3Mer, I always have to plug post-its because if your list is longer than a post-it, it's not achievable for the Amen. day. You're going to have to let that go, sister. It's like mm -hmm. you're setting yourself up for, for disappointment. And then the other thing I always say is if you are not inspired by your circle, you have a cage, right? So the people that you're talking to during the course of your day should inspire you, right? And should support you in doing those three things. If the people around you, if the things that you're surrounding yourself with are distracting you from your purpose, then you have a problem. You have a, a, an environment that is keeping you stuck. Well, right now, because a lot of people, depending on where you're listening to this and uh, what time you're listening to this, a lot of people are not surrounded by anyone other than their family or people that they really don't have a choice. <laughs> they live here. We share DNA and I'll have a choice. <laughs> I'm being infected by their their mindset and their mood. I mean, I've got both my kids home right now and like, oh yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> right. Amen. It's a blessing. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose I'm, I'm trying everything. I'm like, oh, okay. We're going to, we're now we're going to go back to chore charts. I know you're 20 and 23, but I'm going to start a chore chart. Do we need to put marbles in a jar? And we see like how many marbles you have at the end of the week, like whatever it takes. But my point is for a lot of us, you might not have much choice in this moment about who you're surrounded by, but we do have people that we allow to take our attention, especially in social mm -hmm. media, YouTube and Instagram. How do we identify those people who we might just need to mute them for a little while because they're sucking us dry or they're just having a negative impact on the way we're thinking? Yeah, you know, and that's exactly it, right? Resource drains and the people who you look at their thing and then you're like, man, I'm not doing enough. I'm a terrible person. Yes. I'm failing at everything. Yes, yes, yes. Stop following them. And you can always come back to them at any point. But mm -hmm. at this point in your journey, they're not motivating you. They're helping do, you get stuck. How do I know the difference between, okay, ah, that person makes me feel like I should be doing more. And so I need to keep following them because 
they're going to motivate me to do more. And then the person is like, okay, they're just making me feel bad about myself. Like, it seems like a fine line. Yeah, I know. For me, it is like, I literally just feel bad about myself. Like, I, <laughs> I don't do more after seeing that. I do less. Yeah. I just like sit there and I sit in the, wow, I have achieved nothing. You know, that's like the <laughs> imposter syndrome, right? When you start to hear the negative thoughts and you start to hear things that are not true. Like, I am a high performer. I'm a highly productive person. There are people who I will see on Instagram in the morning and I'm like, I got to add more things to my to-do list. I'm not doing yeah. enough. That's yeah. somebody I can't follow. Yeah. It's, they're going to overwhelm me right now. Yeah. Maybe when I have less things on my own to-do list, I'll be ready to hear what they're telling me to do. But we all are on our own journey at our own time. And when you have people who are trying to push you too far, too fast, and it's not comfortable, mm -hmm. I think there's a difference between when people are pushing you with, like you said, actionable tips of how you can bridge from where you are to where you want to be. But when you start getting into the people who are making you just feel worse than you were before, or the yeah. people who are giving you these negative thoughts that keep going through your mind, I say, turn them off. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, I know you've got a podcast and we'll put a show link in our show notes so that people can find your podcast. Cause it's great. I really have enjoyed well, listening you. to you. But I did notice that there was a gap where you took like, I want to say like a couple months off. And I wonder if you could speak to what it means to be unproductive in a way that it is to take care of yourself and how that is actually to be very productive. Yeah. You know, I have all of these post-its that remind me of different things. <laughs> and one of them is putting myself first doesn't mean putting anybody else last. And Hang so on, I, I gotta think write when that you down. putting myself yes. first, putting <laughs> doesn't myself. mean putting anybody else last, mm. you know, it's like the survey with being a giver, we can get so into, well, I have to do this. People want this from me that you give your health away. You give your mental health away. I struggle with anxiety. And so for me, you know, I cannot give from an empty cup. And nobody else can tell me when my cup is empty. And so when I start to feel like this is not fun for me anymore, this is really now hurting me to do this, I think it lowers the quality of what you're doing. And I think it distracts from what might be what you need to focus on right now. And for me, it's typically my health, my family. You know, when those things come up, I feel like the message in the end is better if you take the time to experience the emotions when you have them, to just be present in your own life. So, so many people are listening. We just feel like the only way to get ahead is if I'm posting this to Instagram every day. And if I've started a podcast, I need to produce, you know, at least one episode a week and I need to do two YouTube channels a week and I need to write a blog and I need to add four new coaching clients per week. And we have these like little measures like, no matter what I'm feeling, I have to do this. How do we give ourselves permission to say, actually, I don't. I don't have oh, to do those that's things. That's hard. Yeah, it's a practice. I think a part of it is just realizing that when you stop, when you take a pause, right? That's the first thing is not believing that it's a permanent state. Nothing is, mm. right? Being stuck is a temporary condition. I always like to say I have breakthroughs, not breakdowns. A breakdown means I'm on the floor and you can't get up. Yeah. A breakthrough is I'm realizing something right now in my life. So did you like literally have to give yourself permission to take a break so that you could come back? Because I mean, I, I listened to the year comeback episode and you just said, you know, I, I needed a minute. And to be honest, yeah. 
it was hard what I've been going through. And, and you kind of shared that with your audience, which I really appreciated because I'm, I don't know. I just don't relate to people who aren't being real and talking about like, okay, how do you not respond to what's going on in the world? Yeah. How do you ignore that and then maintain authenticity? Yeah. Especially when you are, you know, I see my role as a guide for people, my own life, right? And so being here in Minneapolis, we went through, right, the curfews and hearing the helicopters at night and not being able to go into the city. This is where I grew up. And so I think for me, I had to tell so many people, there were a lot, of, a lot of friends I had to put on pause too, because you have to take care of your own psychological trauma, and that's what it is. And exposing yourself to it is not healthy. And for me, I can't be in a place of inspiration when I'm still processing for myself yeah. what is out of my control. Yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing I'm just not happy about, but I, I understand it. Like, there's so much judgment about how people have responded in social media. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it makes me sad because I don't think that we can tell people how to respond to grief or pain. I don't think we can tell people that there is a certain number of days or hours in which you're supposed to make a public proclamation or be able to process what it is you're going through. And I wish there was an answer there. There isn't. I think that this is just where we're at, where social media is an extension supposedly of who we are. And so so many people, once you've made your account public, you're now a public figure, whether you've got 200 followers or, you know, 2 million. And it's hard because I think for a lot of us, processing also means I need to make sense of this before I can Mm -hmm. say something that makes sense. And I think, you know, we have to stop worrying about being people pleasers so Mm -hmm. much And as leaders, how do you recommend, whether you consider yourself a leader or not, people are are watching, your friends are watching, your family are watching, your children are watching. How do we help others to understand, like, you know, this isn't about me pleasing everyone. It's about me doing what's right for me and what I think is right for the world. Yeah. I think, first of all, everybody is a leader. I think that's the, the issue we have is that everybody has to see themselves as a leader, you're a leader in your own life. And so I think in that, in and of itself, you can't be dependent on other people to give you a grade on how your day went. I mean, I am like an A type personality. I always ask my therapist, like, was that good? Am I doing good today? (laughs) Like, sure. (laughs) You got an A plus. I mean, I have a girlfriend during this time, I've been going through a divorce and my girlfriend has been through it already. And her coping is work. She has been working overtime, and for yeah. a while, it got to be really difficult on our relationship because also, it was like, well, for me, I'm an emotional person, so I'm like, I need to lay in the bed and eat ice cream. I need to sit and just be with my kids. I need to get back into the Bible. I need to just be in my garden, and I don't need anybody to judge me about my journey or my choice because I am the only me. There's not yeah. another one of me. So for me to look to anybody else to guide me on what's going to bring me comfort, I think for a lot of us during this time, it's an opportunity to learn what brings you joy and what brings you pain and recognize that you do have some say in what you expose yourself to. Even in quarantine, you can make the decision. Today, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go for a walk. 
I'm going to find my tennis shoes, like finding that micro step to getting where you want to be instead of being stuck in all of the things that I still can't do. Well, thank you for mentioning the fact, and I'm sorry, because I know that any breakup, especially a marriage is hard. You know, you're grieving something that you envisioned, you know, it's like, we mentioned before we started recording how a lot of people need to name what they're feeling right now as grief. Anytime there's this thing that we thought was going to go a certain way and it's not, now we have to kind of grieve that ideal. And, and I can't imagine that that has been easy in the midst of everything else that's going on for you. But I also wonder how much this moment in time, this like crazy 2020 year has really helped a lot of people to get unstuck. Like, think about it. Like Mm -hmm. you're talking about getting unstuck from maybe a relationship. And I did an episode recently where there's just a lot of people talking about divorce. So we've seen this kind of hyper warp speed evolution, if you will, of like technology, of our discussions about racial inequality and our discussions about health and relationships. So what is the silver lining, I guess, in kind of a compressed time frame where people are starting to realize like, okay, now it's time for me to get unstuck. Where's the silver lining in this? You know, I think you can't finish a journey that you're not willing to start, Mm. right? And so there's the beauty in that of just at the point that you acknowledge, you know, I did all of this safety training in my career. And one of the things that they tell you about who survives the kidnapping and who doesn't is that the person who recognizes once you've been hit, you're going to be hit again, right? So as soon as that first blow, you realize I'm in a fight, I got to fight now, as Mm. opposed to the person who's like, don't do that. Why'd you do that? Please, but maybe you'll stop. We're not, you know, I always say you're only paranoid until it happens. And so for me, there's a control, there's a power in being able to say, okay, I recognize the emotion of being unhappy. I'm going to do the work to figure out where is this coming from in my life. And, you know, you are always worth your time. I would say that Mm. for anybody listening, that is the biggest thing we do to hurt ourselves unintentionally. And it hurts the people around us. That's when you start worrying about what other people are doing. Worry about yourself. Mind your own business. Pay attention to your own emotions, your own sleep patterns, your own eating behaviors. I mean, we are our best analytical tool. Amen, somebody. Like, you can look at your life and say, Something is seriously wrong here if I'm having cookies for breakfast. I know that. I know that. (laughs) Right? Man, you know, I just so much of what you're sharing with us today about getting unstuck, no matter what it is, is turning inward, like, which Mm -hmm. is really interesting. Like, one of the reasons why every single example I can give of someone who's stuck, it's because they're taking in too much from the outside. They're worrying about external forces. They're worrying about external people. They're worrying about everything but themselves. And so if anything else, the major aha moment I'm having right now, and I've had lots of discussions about getting unstuck, but this is like, I'm really recognizing that so much of being stuck is seeing all the obstacles around you and not seeing inside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing about it is so much of us have made ourselves or allowed ourselves to believe that we can't address whatever is going to come up when we spend time with ourselves. But in reality, so fear is what you're saying that you're, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just want to dig into that. So you're saying that so many of us are afraid to go inside 
because we're afraid yeah. of what we'll see or feel. Yeah, and that you won't be able to handle it, that you won't know what the solution is, right? Yeah. But it's not doing that work, right? So even in, in getting unstuck, I go through, for me, when I was leaving my last job, I realized I had a system of going day by day and starting with finances, financially. Why am I staying in this? I know I have these bills to pay. I know that I, I need insurance, right? Relationships. I know that I like my coworkers. I know that my husband likes this job, right? inspirationally. So I would go through because so often, I mean, we're complicated people. So if you just sit and say, man, it was wrong with you a lot, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So you can segment it out and give yourself a day per each part of your life. You can start to see where it's not even stuck. It just is, this is your process. This is where you are. Now, what do you want to change? What do you want to be different tomorrow? How much of an advantage is it for people who are willing to work with a therapist in getting unstuck? Oh, I think it's huge. I highly recommend it because I think you need a safe space, right? I do a webinar about the importance of having a mentor, sponsor, and advisor. And the number one thing I say is your boss is not your mentor. Mm. Your boss is your competition, right? You going in and tell your boss, I want your job. Well, now <laughs> they might not think so great about <laughs> what you're doing, right? right? And so it's the same thing. If you're having relationship struggles, maybe talking to your spouse about what they could do better is not the way you want to deal with this. So yeah, a yeah. therapist is like your paid third party that can give you feedback and help you see what your role is in it instead of you looking again to other people to give you feedback that you might not be ready to hear. <sighs> Huge. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of therapy. We talk about it here on the show a lot, and it's a shortcut. I think a lot of people are afraid to do it, but I, I haven't yet to receive a message from someone that didn't say, I'm so glad you talk about that on almost every episode because I finally just went to see a therapist, and my only regret is that I didn't do this 15 years earlier. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. I love it. And it I, takes building that relationship. Yeah. yeah. It's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how important it is because I've heard you talk about this a lot when it comes to getting unstuck the significance of an abundance mindset and gratitude. And what does that look like in practice? Yeah, so I actually have a five-day gratitude challenge because for a lot of people, it's as simple as just making that space in your morning, right? And then noticing, noticing what's happening in your life, writing it down, getting started with journaling And then, you know, affirmations are such a huge thing for me, especially when I lost my sight. That was one of my big things that I would tell myself, I believe I will see again. And at the time, people would like laugh like this is adorable. She's so cute. (laughs) But if you're not telling yourself what you believe, if you're not telling the universe what you intend for the universe to do for you, Mm. you're leaving yourself open for whatever, you know, it's like, being in the ocean without a paddle. You're just going to go with yeah. wherever the ocean wants to take you. Yes, 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 yes. Amen. And that's, you're allowing other people's thoughts, visions, and objectives and plans to hijack your journey. And mm-hmm. so you walk people through this process. Tell me, how do we sign up for, you said it's a gratitude challenge or? Yep, it's a free five-day gratitude challenge. And so I encourage you to take it with your friends because it goes back to that having that community. It's a great way to connect with people because then I've got friends now that I'll text every morning. Like, did you do your journaling? What did you discover? So you can go to gettingunstuckguide.com backslash gratitude 
Got and it. sign up for it. And I'll send you the five days to walk you through. And all of the steps are free. All you need is a notebook and a pen. Mm. Okay, I'm going to do it. And I want all the lifers to do it with me. So when you hear this episode, look in the show notes. We'll have a link to that. And I'm going to challenge you to take yeah. any, what could be the harm in doing five days of gratitude. And hopefully that sticks as a habit. Meredith, this has been incredibly useful, eye-opening, and I've had a couple of aha moments. And again, this is something I, I talk about pretty regularly is getting unstuck. But I think each and every time we unpeel or, you know, like peel the layers away, we start to reveal what's at the core of us being stuck and how important it is for us to look inside. And it's hard when there's so many things demanding, we feel like demanding our attention and that we feel obligated to like so-and-so's post or to see what they've, you know, posted on social media or respond to 7,000 text messages and emails, et cetera. And then all the news. And there's just, there's so much coming at us that we sometimes forget how important it is to carve out that time to do the work and to pay attention to ourselves and to pay attention to God and to nature. So those are all such great reminders. Any last bits of information or, or suggestions you have for our audience? No, I would just say if you're feeling stuck, whether it's in your career, your relationships, or in your health, Getting Unstuck, A Guide to Moving Your Career Forward, it's available on Amazon, but it walks you through a week of possibilities because yeah. I really think it's a part of having the mindset of getting unstuck can look like whatever you want it to look like, yeah. but you have to set that vision for your life. You have to participate in your own rescue. Nobody's going to come and save you. You have to do the work. Mm. Meredith, where can those people who are interested in following you or maybe even learning what it would take to work with you, where can we find out more? You can go to gettingunstuckguide.com. Gettingunstuckguide.com. This has been such a treat for me. Thank you so much for doing this for us. I really appreciate you and I look forward to staying in contact in your next mm -hmm. episode on your podcast because you just speak our language. So lifers, you will love Meredith's show. Thank you. Thank you. It's getting unstuck with Meredith Moore Crosby. And thank you for your courage and for this conversation. I've enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you so much. This episode has been brought to you by Push Journal. If you're the type of individual who loves to make lists, keep yourself on task, get organized, and there just don't seem to be enough hours in the day. This is a convenient, lightweight, simple to use 30 day system. This is not just a day planner and learn how you can get your health, fitness, life, and goals organized and develop the laser focus you need to have the life that you deserve. Check it out. Go to pushjournal.com.